0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. The book we're talking about here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable looks forward with the joyful anticipation of faith to the return of Christ. The name of the book is The Revelation, A Vision of Jesus. It's written by David W. Edwards, and David's right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. David, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, too, Corey. It's my pleasure. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you telling me all about the Revelation, David. Can you tell me what it's about?
1: Well, the book is really an overview of the biblical book of the Revelation of St. John, and from a very different perspective. I grew up hearing all about how Lindsay and the rapture and end times and tribulation and Antichrist and the beast and all that kind of stuff, and I just felt like there was something wrong with it. And so the book is really a new look at Revelation— one person called it a musical celebration of Christ.
0: David, Revelation is a really tough book. Did this take you a long time? Was it challenging to interpret this?
1: Well, it was challenging, but I have been working on it for many years. A number of years ago, I did a one-hour Bible study. Basically, I called it everything you need to know about Revelations in an hour. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was certainly not adequate. But I worked on a sermon series on the Revelation, and that got me digging deeper
0: into it. What made you decide to put it all together, write this book, and then publish that?
1: Well, I had a lot of questions. People were asking me for copies of the various sermons. And, of course, a sermon, I only have 20 minutes or 30 minutes, so I couldn't go into the kind of depth that I really wanted. So that kind of compelled me to write the book, to revise the sermon material, to go deeper, and to bring it out in the book.
0: Hmm. David, have you ever been through the publishing process before? Is this your first time writing? Well, no. This is actually my third
1: book. The first two I published with a different publisher, but this one, the process, this particular publisher kind of put me through the ringer. They really helped me take more time to edit and get everything right before I put it in the final form. So
0: it's quite a process. Absolutely. What did you find the most challenging aspect of that publishing process, David?
1: Basically just rereading my manuscript five or six times and trying to see what I hadn't seen before in terms of even spelling and grammar and just the fine technicalities of editing was the most challenging. A lot
0: of work went into this book. It was a long time coming, David. And then that day finally came and you got your first physical copy in and you got to hold the book that has your name on the cover and everything. What kind of a moment is that for you?
1: Well, it's a feeling of satisfaction. You finally, you see the culmination of a lot of work. This book actually took probably a little over a year to produce in manuscript form, and then two or three months in publishing. So it was, you, know, so you work hard for a project and you get to see it finished. is really, you know, just fulfilling and satisfying.
0: So you got three books under your belt now,
1: David. Should we expect a fourth and maybe a fifth? Well, I'm working on, I've got one that I have some people reading on Ephesus. Ephesus figures quite largely in the New Testament the letters of Paul to the church at Ephesus, of course, and, and then the letters to Timothy, who was the pastor at Ephesus. John, after his exile to Patmos, was living in Ephesus and wrote from Ephesus. So it figures as kind of a, an important place in the New Testament. I have a couple of people reading first drafts, so, you know, we're at the beginning of that process.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, you've been through this a few times, David, and I I know you've probably learned an awful lot along the way of writing books, publishing books. So what advice would you offer to the aspiring authors who are listening to us?
1: I would just say be patient with the process. Don't rush because you want to get it right. Whatever you're going to produce. My first book, I actually got it in print before it was right. And I had to go back and revise it after I already saw the copy in print. And I went, oh, no, I did this and I did that. I had a reader who looked at it and said, oh, you you missed this and you did this. and you." So patience is really a virtue in publishing. Get it right. Get it the way you want it, because it's harder to change it once it's in print.
0: That's great advice. I think a lot of readers are going to be encouraged and inspired by this book. I encourage everyone listening now to go check this out. Again, the title is The Revelation, A Vision of Jesus. It's written by David W. Edwards. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so it's available everywhere, of course, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Well, David, thank you for coming on the show and telling me all about The Revelation and everything else you're working on. I had a nice time talking with you.
2: Thank you, Corey. It was a pleasure.
0: Feeling the Feelings. It's the new book written by Kristen Lillywhite that invites readers to find beauty and value in their own emotions and experiences. We get to talk more about this book. I have Kristen here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kristen, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell me what readers can expect, Kristen, when they open up and they start reading Feeling the Feelings?
3: Sure. So my book is a small collection of poetry that I've written. Each section of the book begins with a letter addressed to a specific feeling. So it's me actually addressing the feeling as if it were a person. And then within that section are different poetries that explore different aspects of that feeling for each section.
0: How did the idea for this come about, for you to collect this poetry and have it published, Kristen?
3: So it's always been a goal of mine to be a published author, and last year I spent some time just writing poems as they came to me. There wasn't necessarily a specific goal of publishing a book in mind, but by the time I had written my poems, you know, usually about three poems per week, I just wanted to organize it in a collection that I thought other readers would appreciate.
0: And did you have those readers in mind who would most be receptive and enjoy your poetry the most?
3: So a lot of the poems were inspired by some traumatic experiences. And I feel like as a generation, we kind of collectively have experienced a lot of trauma. Mm. So even though it was inspired by my own experiences, I feel like a lot of different readers from different backgrounds can relate to the content of the poems.
0: So Kristen, you said this was the first time you've written and been published, correct? Correct. Did this take you a long time to put together and then put through all those publishing processes?
3: Yeah. So the process has taken about a year. Most of the poems, like I mentioned earlier, were from my blog. And so I just sort of, like I said, refined and edited some of the poems that I'd written there to put it in a more readable format.
0: Mm. And that day finally comes, Kristen, and you get your first physical copy in the mail and you get to hold that thing for the first time. What's that like?
3: Definitely a sense of accomplishment Mm. for achieving a goal that I've had for a long time. But also inspiration, you know, like it inspires me to keep writing and to make the next book even better. Even though poetry has been my main medium, my main genre, I, I feel inspired. You know, I, I, there's ideas. Of course, everyone wants to write the great American novel, right? <laughs> I have a few novel ideas in the back of my mind that I'd like to work on kind of piecemeal um, until I can bring those stories to life.
0: And Kristen, I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing for the first time. So what advice would you give to the authors out there who are just about to do this for the first
3: time as well? I would say don't give up. It can be kind of discouraging when you're writing in a vacuum or you feel like you haven't reached your audience or that your work isn't being appreciated. So regardless of your genre or what your goal is, I would say just keep going. Just keep envisioning that reader and what it was that inspired you to write that book and keep at it.
0: When you're writing poetry, Kristen, is writer's block a problem for you where you just can't find those right words, even though you feel inspired to write?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, writing can take all sorts of forms, even if it's just a list of words or just a list of ideas, or even if it's a short story, a paragraph, a journal entry. I think there's so many ways to think of ideas and to set them aside and come back to them. And so I think as part of a writing practice, whether it's, you know, making progress towards a specific writing goal or whether it's just writing to write, I think that having a regular routine can be helpful when people do experience that writer's block that tends to happen.
0: Well, Kristen, uh, what would you say inspires you? Are there people in your life that inspire you or things in your life that most inspire you?
3: So the tagline to my blog was a line from one of my favorite poems. It was What Lifts Prayers Into Hopes Into Unselfconscious Becoming. That was the name of my blog was Unselfconscious Becoming. And so that was written by Emma Lou Thane. She wrote the poem specifically for a biography of one of my favorite women, a woman who was funny and inspiring and a woman of faith, just like I am. And so I'm definitely inspired by women who've gone before and also other authors and readers
0: out there. Well, I think readers are going to find an awful lot of beauty and value in this poetry, and I encourage my listeners to go check it out. Again, this is titled Feeling the Feelings. It's written by Kristen Lillywhite. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can find it anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, or traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Kristen, it's been really wonderful having you on the show, learning about your poetry, and everything that you did to go into it. I I hope we get to talk again sometime.
4: Yeah,
3: thanks again for having me.
0: This audiobook follows one man's attempts to save his loved ones and all of mankind from a dangerous world-ending threat. The title is Devil's Eye, Singularity. It's volume two in the series, written by James Bulu, and I get to find out all about this book and this series because James is here with me at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, welcome. Thank you for being here.
5: Oh, thank you very much for inviting me.
0: It's my pleasure. James, I'm interested in learning all about this book. Can you tell me what Devil's Eye Singularity is about and about the series in general?
5: The series in general is a little bit about life itself. It starts off in Devil's Eye Inception is basically a father telling his son, who is yet to be born, who's on a distant planet, and it's going to take a signal 20 light years to get there. So he's basically telling his son why he's not there with him. And this brings about the devil's eye, and he begins to tell the story of why he's not there, by the things that he did, the mistakes that he made. So he takes us through the progression well, from his childhood all the way up to being on that station, telling his story to his son. And that's where kind of a signal already ends. And then you get the beginning of what's called the other side of eternity, which is kind of where we take that next step, that leap of what is inside that black hole.
0: Interesting. James, what sorts of readers do you think would be really into this book? I would say those general
5: sci-fi readers that, you know, enjoy Star Trek, Star Wars, even, you know, things of Babylon 5. We have, I think, a really good overall story base that, you know, it's not too far outlandish. You know, we're not into the fantasy realm, but we're actually just taking science as it's known today and kind of extrapolating on that and saying what the future might look like. And I try to, you know, I did not like the way other stories kind of like I always made God the bad guy mm-hmm. you know, or some sort of mischievous child. Uh I so say, this one just takes it, okay, well, let's take a look at what a man kind of centered around God might think about his science fiction future, what may be in the future for mankind and God in this future that he's kind of created on this other planet.
0: When it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time, this series?
5: Yes, this is the first one. It's all indie. You know, the only thing is, obviously, through trial and error, you know, talking with people that are in the know, it was kind of like, okay, I think you can rework this book and make it a series. So I was like, all right, yeah, I think there's stuff I can add to it. And you know, I might have to change a few pieces of the puzzle back in the early part of the story to match up with the third edition of the story.
0: How many volumes of this do you see the story going? I it's
5: just funny, the people that have read it and saying, are you going to do another one? Are you going to do another <laughs> one? Not of the series, Devil's Eye series, but I do have other stories I do want to work on that I think will be equally entertaining.
0: How long of a process is it for you once you sit down, and start writing a volume of this series, like Singularity? How long of a process was that for you?
5: Well, well, let me tell you a little backstory to that. I'd always wanted to write something about black holes because I was never really satisfied with too many of the, you know, movies and stories that I have seen and read on that particular subject. I mean, obviously to do a story about a black hole, period. Yeah, we know it's massive gravity and it gobbles things up. Not very interesting. <laughs> so but having one approaching Earth that was created by this gentleman and a few other nefarious people, it gave a little personal aspect to it, and definitely adding the father story. But in the beginning, I've wanted to write the story, but never had the time. Mm-hmm. So I was over my sister and brother-in-law's house cutting down some trees, and I was on the 13th tree, and I thought it had should have fallen. I made the cuts and I had the guys on the rope pulling, and lo and behold, I look up and the tree is actually spinning on the trunk. It was just spinning there, and, the, and because of the wind gust just came along and just kind of. And when I looked up and saw that image, it was an image that I'd had three months earlier in a dream.
0: Wow. Yeah,
5: I ran and the tree did kind of hit me this funny top branches hit me and knocked me to the ground and fractured my hip, but it just kind of fractured the inner cuspis of the joint. So it put me out of work for about three months. So it gave me time to actually write the draft.
0: James, we're talking about, of course, the audiobook edition had just come out of Devil's Eye Singularity. What was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading it?
5: Oh, it was kind of nice. I was able to listen to it last fall while on my way driving down to Florida with my oldest daughter and she really enjoyed it she goes finally i get to listen to it (laughs) (laughs) so it made for entertaining ride on the way down
0: well i think that sci-fi fans and more are really going to be into this book and should check it out it's titled devil's eye singularity this is volume two in the series and it's written by james bulu and of course this is the audiobook edition it's published by the audiobook network and, of course, available everywhere. Audible, the Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, everywhere that you go for your audiobooks. Well, James, thanks again for coming on and telling me about Devil's Eye. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight.
5: Oh, it's has great talking to you, and I love talking about the story. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Thank you very much.
0: I have a book here with me now that says that darkness brings blessings from God. It's titled God Rewrote My Resume, Spiritual Warfare in Marriage. Betrayed to Blessed. This is written by Angela Christine, and I can't wait to talk all about this book because Angela is right here with me now. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Angela, can you tell me all about God Rewrote My Resume? What's the book all about?
6: Uh, my newly released book, God Rewrote My Resume, is about being portrayed by my husband, and going through a dark period, God showed me that it's blessed to be afflicted. And the book talks about spiritual warfare, that Satan sends by several tactics to destroy a marital covenant with God for married couples.
0: Angela, were you targeting primarily married couples with this book?
6: Well, my target readers were married couples who were unaware of the unseen attacks that are definitely coming for your marriage, whether you see them or not. Second, It was targeted towards unmarried men and women who wants to be married one day. And oftentimes when you go through marriage counseling before you take that step, they don't talk about what's really significant, the spiritual warfare that you're going to come up against. And I think it's important that married couples know what they're going through, as well as unmarried people that are looking to be married.
0: Angela, can you go back and think about what that spark was? What inspired you to sit down and write this book and say, "Hey, I got to publish this for the world?"
6: Actually, I was doing Bible study, and for four weeks in a row, Holy Spirit just kept taking me back to Ephesians, and I said, "This is something's here." And I asked the question. I said, "Father, what are you trying to show me? Why am I in Ephesians again?" And he told me to pick up a pen and start writing. And I jumped off my bed and I said, "Oh, Okay. And I just opened up an app in my phone, and I started writing about the things that I was going through. And that's how it all started.
0: Wow. How long did it take you? Was this a long process, clear up through when it was published?
6: It wasn't long for me to write it because it's so fresh. You Mm. know, it took three months to write it. The editing process, including illustration and taking it to print, was about six months. And the book was released on Holy Week. It was ordered by God, you know, and every 33 years, Christianity, Judaism and Islam come together on the same week. And, you know, when my family heard that the book was released, they said, this is Holy Week. And so it's like an anointing by God because I followed his instruction and I wrote every day for eight hours like crazy, you know.
0: I can only imagine what you were thinking and what you're feeling whenever you finally got your first copy in and you got to hold this book and look at it for the first time. Angela, what was that like?
6: I raised my book up to the heavens and I said, Holy Spirit, you told me to pick up a pen and start writing. And I want to thank you because not only was it information for other people but it was a therapeutic process for myself. I cried, you know, I had good memories, you know, dark memories, but in the end, I was so free because I'm blessed. You know, I'm here to talk about my story. A lot of couples are not here, either the husband perished or the wife perished. And for me to be alive to say, I made it through and God covered me, I'm grateful. So I had to get it out to the masses.
0: Now, going through the publishing process especially can be quite a learning experience. Angela, based on what you went through there, what advice would you give to the aspiring authors who are listening?
6: I would say look for a publishing company that has a history that is reputable and have patience because you're not the only one writing. They have to edit your product. There are a lot of people who are out here to take new authors' money if you don't know the process. So I just started doing research, you know, on book companies, how long they were in existence, you know, what is actual information and not just hearsay by the people who call you from sales to try to get you to sell your book to them and make money.
0: I know a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book.
6: Again, the title is
0: God Rewrote My Resume, Spiritual Warfare in Marriage, Betrayed to Blessed. It's written by Angela Christine and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. And, of course, you can find it anywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Angela, I really appreciate your time coming on the show here and telling me all about God Rewrote My Resume. I hope we get to talk again sometime soon.
6: Thank you so much. I'm so glad you gave me an opportunity. Thank you.
0: I'm looking at a preschool picture book. It's titled Orin Helps. It just came out, just hit stores. It's written by Elaine Hillowitz and is co-authored by Betsy Smith. And I'm going to find out all about this book because Elaine is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
7: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: It's all my pleasure. I'm curious to learn all about Orin Helps. Elaine, can you tell me about it?
7: Well, the book itself is about a preschooler. Who likes to help, and the book takes him through a day in the life of Oren, where he is helping with all kinds of activities throughout the day, helping his mom do this, and his bubby or grandmother do that, and his dad do this. He has all kinds of activities he's doing.
0: And I understand that Oren was inspired by a real person in your life.
7: Yes, my grandson, who is named (laughs) (laughs) Oren. One day my daughter came over and she said, and he was about maybe two at the time, because he does love to help. She said he was helping us put the groceries away and he picked up the bag of potatoes and started across the kitchen floor and was saying, heavy, 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 (laughs) heavy, and crying, but wouldn't let anybody help him. And that's what started the book.
0: Once you sat down started writing and everything, Elaine, how long did this take you? Was it a long process?
7: My first draft was finished in a week. And then I went through a couple of other drafts to try different things. And what I started doing is realizing that this would be an excellent book for language development for children. Mm. With that in mind, almost every page has the phrase, and Oren says. And then the word he says is repeated four times so that the children will get this repetition of language.
0: Whenever that day came, Elaine, and you finally got your first physical copy in of Orin Helps, and you got to hold this thing and actually see it for real, what was that like?
7: Amazing. Absolutely (laughs) amazing. It was like, it happened so quickly because I was very lucky that actually I went with a hybrid publisher and the first place I sent it liked it. Oh, wow. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often Not at at all.
0: all. That's fantastic.
7: And then it took about a year and a half for all of everything else to take place. The illustrator who happens to be my son, a graphic designer, he did all the illustrations and I look at it every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think you have another book in you, Elaine? Do you think you'll be writing another?
7: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, I now have six Oren books, and they're all designed the same way with the language development, and they each have a topic. You know, one is Oren Goes to the farm. And it's all animal sounds. And and another one is, or it's at school, and it's all directional things, you know, above, below, behind, between. I love it.
0: Well, I'm sure you've learned an awful lot along the way of writing and publishing, Elaine. What advice would you offer to the aspiring authors who are listening right now?
7: Well, first of all, I would tell them to take some writing courses Specifically, if you're looking to do children's books, try some online or college courses on children's writing. Because that's what I took some online courses on children's books and got a tremendous amount of positive information and help with it. And it went. <laughs> I like what did you find the
0: most challenging part of the whole process, Elaine?
7: Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> really I enjoyed the writing tremendously but it was once I submitted it then I had to wait for them to approve this and then they gave me some stuff and I approved that and then they said okay now the next step is they've got to approve this you know and it took like a year and a half to do Mm. and I just kept when am I going to get my book
0: Uh, Elaine, we talked about all the time and the hard work and the patience that goes into writing and publishing. So when you think about all of that, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author?
7: Having succeeded in something that may last longer than I do.
0: Again, this one's titled Orin Helps. It's written by Elaine Hillowitz co-authored by Betsy Smith, illustrated by John Hillowitz, and of course it's published by Covenant Books, so you can get it anywhere like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Elaine, it's been really wonderful having you on the show and learning about Oren Helps and everything else you got going on. I had a nice time.
7: I enjoyed it too. Thank you very much.
0: I have a book with me now that tells readers that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. It's titled Broken but Still Usable, Just Like Me. It's written by Pastor Joshua A. Hales, and I get to find out all about this book. Pastor Josh is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Pastor Josh, welcome. Thank you for being here with me. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Can you tell me what you've written about in Broken but Still Usable, Just Like Me?
4: Sure. So this is something that was kind of on my heart for quite a while. And at the tail end of the COVID season, our family was kind of in a season where I was able to stay home and kind of take care of my kids for a while. And during that time, I started to just write. And my wife would come home and she'd say, what are you writing? And I said... I don't know yet. (laughs) Each day, just a little bit more, a little bit more, kind of ate the elephant one bite at a time. And before I knew it, I had an entire book. And it was just a very exciting adventure. My heart's motive was to write it for my kids, to be a voice speaking into their lives when I'm no longer on this planet, to still be able to speak into their lives, their kids' lives, their grandkids' lives someday. That truly was my heart's motive. And we were able to publish. God really blessed the efforts and the book itself is a book of encouragement. It's a book of hope. It speaks to the reader who is going through their broken time and we can all relate to that. At some point in life, to some degree, we experience some sort of brokenness. And my story may not be the same as your story or someone else's story, but we can connect the dots and we can all relate. And it's a book of encouragement. It tells the reader, you're not alone. You're not the only person who's gone through this. And ultimately, It's a gospel-driven book, so it points people to where we can find real hope, and that's to Jesus Christ and his redemptive plan of salvation on the cross.
0: Uh, What a fantastic message, Pastor Josh. Have you ever
4: done anything like this before when it comes to writing and being published and all that? Never. My wife is definitely the academic of the two of us. Mm. She is a music teacher. She's been doing that now for 20 years. And I never thought I had a book inside of me. And so this has just been an exciting journey that we did not see, but God had plans nonetheless. And we're just super, super thrilled to see how God blesses it and how he uses it to advance his kingdom.
0: Yeah, it definitely is an exciting journey. How long did it take? Was this drawn out a long time? Yeah. So
4: as I mentioned, during that season, I was home with my youngest kids, probably the good part of a school year. So again, you know, I would I would take my kids to school. My youngest, my daughter, she would go down for a nap time and I would just kind of write during her naps. And through the course of that school year, I was able from fall to spring to write the entire original manuscript. And then once you got that
0: first copy, and finally, after all that time, all that hard work, and you finally got to hold the thing that you made, Pastor Josh, what was that moment like for you?
4: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It was definitely a long time coming, you know, through the editing process and just working with the publishing company. We wanted to see it come to fruition. Obviously, we wanted to see a final product and to be able to hold it and just to know that God was in it and to be able to know that it was available. So rewarding, incredibly rewarding.
0: Was it rewarding enough that you would consider doing it again, maybe
4: writing more, publishing more? I love that question. My wife has already asked, (laughs) and I have said to her, ask me again in 10 years. (laughs) You know, I'm certainly open to the idea. We want to see first how the Lord blesses this journey. But, yeah, I already have some ideas on the back burner. And, you know, whether it's another ministry book, whether it's a second, you know, a sequel to this book or even just, you know, something new and exciting, you know, something fictional. Some ideas kind of working in my head, but I'm definitely open to that possibility, for sure.
0: Along the whole journey
4: of writing and
0: publishing this book, what did you find the most challenging aspect of it all?
4: Well, you know, the editing process was was pretty grueling. Mm. When it was all said and done, I probably wrote notes, the equivalent of another chapter or two. So it, it was back and forth, handing the baton off quite a bit. And so that was challenging. That was something that I didn't see at the front of this.
0: Well, sometime in our lives, we all experience brokenness, and this book offers encouragement and hope, and I encourage my listeners to check this one out. Again, it's titled Broken, but Still Usable, Just Like Me. It's written by Pastor Joshua A. Hales, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, it's available everywhere, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Pastor Josh, thanks for coming on the show again, telling me about this work and about everything. I had a nice time talking with you. Yeah, you too, Corey. Thank you so much. A Simple Man. It's the new book, and it just came out in stores, written by Margaret Fay, And I'm going to learn all about this book. Margaret is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Margaret, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me here tonight.
6: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.
0: The pleasure's all mine. I'm really curious about A Simple Man, Margaret. Can you tell me what it's about?
6: It's really a fiction tribute to my World War II father. It's about life stories and how you can go from very dire, poor circumstances to living a very full and happy life and uh, a grateful life. Where'd you get the idea for
0: this, Margaret? How'd you get the idea to take what your dad did and weave it into this fictional story?
6: I thought it was a story that needed to be told. I didn't want the World War II Greatest Generation to fade away or be lost, Mm. not only for my children and grandchildren, but for other readers who can relate to many of the stories I tell in this book. I didn't want it to get lost or disappear.
0: Margaret, do you have an idea for what kinds of readers may be the most into this book?
6: I think it's going to appeal to many people in that it addresses family relationships and everyday life, simple things in life that bring joy and big events like a war. I think all ages, my 14-year-old grandson and 13 year old granddaughter, they really enjoyed it. Of course, it's their great-grandfather, loosely based on his life, but it'll appeal to people who've lived and see that you can really make a wonderful life starting out very simple and very basic.
0: I love it. Margaret, have you ever done this kind of thing before, written a book or been involved in publishing?
6: I have not. I'm a retired teacher, kindergarten teacher, and I have been a storyteller my whole life. My father was a storyteller uh, back in the 50s when we would go to bed. He would tell stories until we'd say, hey, dad, how did that end? And he would fall asleep. But I'm a storyteller. And I think I don't want that art to be lost Where children. Hang on each word that you say. Or adults, they want to hear what happened next.
0: That being your first book, Margaret, did this take you a long time to write and put through all those publishing
6: things? It has. It's taken me a year and a half once I started the publishing and I was accepted. But basically, it's been about eight or nine year adventure.
8: Hmm. And
6: I'm just thrilled beyond words and so honored that I saw it to fruition. I saw it completed, and that was my goal. It was one of my life goals to write a book and tell a story that others can relate to.
0: And after that journey, all that time, that hard work, and doing something you've wanted to do your whole life, you finally get that first physical copy in the mail, Margaret. You get to hold this thing you've been working on and wishing for for so long. What
6: was that moment like? I'd say surreal mm. It's one of my favorite words. <laughs> Is this real? Is this fake? Is this fantasy? But I knew the blood, sweat, and tears. It was very hardcore to let it go because there were so many personal things in it and real experiences, but I added some, I have a great imagination. <laughs> you have to have that kind of imagination to write a book and be a kindergarten teacher. Yeah,
0: when you're around children all day like that and their imaginations, I'm sure that helps too.
6: Yes, so I really wanted to, it was a thrill and an honor to be accepted to be published.
0: Do you think you have another, And Are you thinking about writing more
6: maybe after this? I have several. I have a children's series that. I've already started. I have two other adult books. Originally, I thought this could be a trilogy, but I've decided that I told it, put my whole life story into it. But Yes, I do have several adult books, and I have several children's series, that I'm getting ready to start. I just wanted to get this to publish form, and then I'm getting ready to start on those.
0: So if an aspiring writer came to you and said, I want to write my first book, I want to get published, Margaret, what advice would you give them?
6: I would say don't talk about it. Get started. Just do it. Don't procrastinate. Nothing will happen if you don't put it down. You can think and plan and talk It's cheap. But if you go ahead and put your ideas down, just get started. And things won't happen unless you move forward on it.
0: I know a lot of people are going to be into this book. I encourage everybody listening right now to go and check this out. Again, it's titled A Simple Man. It's written by Margaret Fay. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing and available everywhere. So go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or your traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this book up. Margaret, thank you again for joining me and telling me about A Simple Man and about your father and about everything you do. I had a nice time chatting with you tonight.
6: Me too. Thank you for the opportunity. Make it a good life. Live the life you imagined. That's what I'm trying to do.
0: This is a book that tells of a family and a miracle. It's titled, The Unbearable Success, A Journey of Faith. This is written by L.D. Brown, and we're finding out all about this book and the story that it tells. Lloyd, the author, is here with me now. Lloyd, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here with me.
9: Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad to be finding out about this book, The Unbearable Success. Lloyd, can you tell me about it?
9: Well, the book is based on a true story, and it's really about our lives, my wife, myself, my son. You know, when we got married back in April of 2018, April 7th, 2018, this accident happened literally a month to the day, right after we got married. Mm. And so I had been wanting to write a book, you know, for a while now. I just didn't know where to start, didn't know what to write about. And, you know, God just walked me through the whole process. And once this accident happened... And time went on, and we experienced more and more just different things happening left and right. I said, wow, okay, maybe this is, you know, the right time to start on this book. And my wife and I talked about it, and we were just getting confirmation left and right. Man, y'all need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I'm like, okay, God, I hear you talking. And so I just (laughs) sat down, and he started giving me, you know, what to write (laughs) Mm. and how to word it and everything.
0: Lloyd, were you thinking of any readers in particular when you were writing this, anybody you were speaking to?
9: No, not at all, man. I just, you know, wanted to get our testimony out there, get our story out there. You know, we love to inspire and encourage others and try to lead others closer to Christ. And so, you know, just praying that this will bless anybody that touches a book, you know, that'll read it and buy it and, you know, want to get closer to God and just maybe even build on their faith and, you know, all that good stuff. (laughs) I love it. Lloyd,
0: once you sat down and began writing this book, how long of a process was it for you until it got published and was out there?
9: As far as the process goes, it was a good little while. Like I had it wrote probably within maybe five to six months, maybe, because mm-hmm. I was working and everything like that. So I didn't have a whole whole lot of time to write. So I just did a little bit at the time, but I finally was able to get it all put together. And I was procrastinating. I had put it off for about a year because I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'll be able to pay for this. And so that's when I had to dig into my own face. And, you know, once he provided the provision, he said, you better put that book out there. I said, yes, sir. And so I called the publishing company and we got rolling.
0: Mm. What did you find the most challenging part about the whole thing?
9: Oh, man, so much was happening, you know, when I was writing this book. And so just trying to put things in order and just kind of sequence of events and just really sitting down and having the time to really be able to word it right and have a chance to really just write, you know, just kind of get by myself and just write. Just let it flow. Cause I was busy going over here, doing this, doing that. So. <laughs> but I mean, it was worth it, though. It was definitely worth it. And
0: then that day comes, Lloyd, and you open up your mailbox, pull out the box and open it up. Your first copy of this, the physical copy, the thing you were working on so hard. Uh, what was that moment like for you when you got it?
9: Man, I couldn't believe it. I've always loved writing and, you know, writing poetry and just writing stories and things like that when I was in school growing up. And I did spelling bees and all of that. And I said, man, I just, I want to write a book one day. Mm. And when I see it in the mail, I couldn't believe it. You know, it's this whole process has just been amazing.
0: Well, Lloyd, you got your first one out now. What are the chances that we're going to be seeing more from you?
9: Oh, yeah, I'm most definitely. I'm going to, got another one coming. Haven't started on it just yet. Kind of got a title and everything right now, but that's going to be coming. I'm not going to say pretty soon, but, you know, I'm going to start working on it eventually Or I get a chance to just kind of sit down and relax and get my thoughts together and figure out where to start with that one.
0: Now, when you think about everything, the whole process, Lloyd, what's the most rewarding aspect for you now of being a published author?
9: You know, just achieving that goal. And I would say the most accomplishing thing is just, you know, putting God out there, representing God and, you know, showing others, like, this can really happen if you truly have faith. Because we're living in a time now there's so many people falling away from God and they're missing out. I know a lot
0: of people are going to be inspired by this book. Again, it's titled The Unbearable Success, A Journey of Faith. It's written by L.D. Brown. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere. Of course, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Lloyd, it's been wonderful having you on the show here today and learning all about this story. I had a nice time.
9: Yes, sir. I really enjoyed it myself. I
0: appreciate it. I have a book here that is a true story that will give readers hope. It's called Filori, Our Love Story. It's written by Philip K. Defani and We get to talk all about this book because I got Philip right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Philip, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight.
8: You bet. Nice to be here.
0: Well, it's nice to have you, and it's really nice to be finding out about Philore. Philip, can you tell me about this book?
8: Well, Corey, I uh, had some, um, I guess, bad experiences in life. Lost my first wife to suicide about four and a half, five years ago. Oh, I'm and sorry. Been married 39 years, and it was a real traumatic time of life. Then, uh, oh, about 30 days later, my sweet mother called me and said she had run into a fine lady that I used to know, which is Lori. And long story short, we ended up getting married in quite short order. And here we are four and a half years later and very happily married, you know, still on our honeymoon. And what inspired me to write the book was that I was 60 years old and thrust into the single life, real hopeless situation. I mean, you know, who wants a 60-year-old? That was my thoughts anyway. And all of a sudden after that phone call from my mom, all of a sudden there was hope because I knew Lori 45 years prior. And so anyway, it went from uh, almost depression to excitement. As life went on, we get married and everything. And I call it divine love, you know, because it it was of God, in my opinion, Hmm. because there were so many things that happened that it couldn't have been anything else, you know? And so after we were married and everything, I thought, you know, I've got quite a few grandchildren and four grown children and I'd like to document, you know, what happened, how Lori came into our lives and stuff like that. And I just wrote it as a documentation. And then uh, my wife, Lori, read it and she was just wild by it and she says, you know, you ought to check into getting this written or published rather. And So I had typed it up, you know, for documentation purposes, and when I was looking at having it printed, I thought, well, I'll call a couple of publishers, and out of a half a dozen, I uh, picked Christian Faith Publishing, and they uh, went through their review board and and ended up, you know, agreeing to publish it. But that's how it all went. What inspired me was just the miracle of our relationship from the very Mm get-go, you know, just went. From no hope to total excitement. And that sounds kind of corny, I guess, but it's a fact.
0: Uh, And, Philip, this is, of course, your first book. Did this take you a long time to write and put through that publishing process?
8: Well, I would take this little booklet that was blank that I was writing in, and I'd take it with me on trips. And while I was sitting in the hotel doing nothing in the evening, I would sit down and you know fill in some pages and Mm. write three or four or five pages. And it took me probably six months to actually complete it, you know. It must have
0: been a special moment getting it in the mail and being able to hold this first book of yours. What was that like for you, Philip?
8: Oh, yeah. I grew up a little on the lean side and worked hard all my life and ended up with a very fruitful career, but never once did I ever dream of being a published author. And so, you know, you create something like that and you don't know what it's really going to look like until you get it in your hands. And so when I got it in my hands to look at it and read it for myself. It was really pretty exciting, you know, to see it published and print and everything, the cover and stuff like that. It, it was great. I still can't believe it, Corey. Uh, Again, I didn't set out to be an author, but here we are.
0: Do you think you have another book in you? What are the chances we'll see another one from you in the future?
8: Well, I didn't plan on it, but for lack of better words, I can actually see some spinoffs of this book, you know. Mm. There's more to life than just getting married, you know, and meeting your spouse, you know. Mm. And I touch on a few things in this book that technically need to be elaborated on. And uh, there's some potential, but I'm really kind of busy following this uh, and the marketing of it and all that. So Mm. for now, that's it. But who knows? You know,
0: I know a lot of people are going to be inspired by this story. Uh, Again, it's titled Philori, Our Love Story. It's written by Philip K. Defani and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere, so go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this book. Well, Philip, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time talking
8: with you. You bet. Hey, thank you for calling, Corey. I really appreciate it. Anything I can do to inspire others, I'd be happy to, you know?
0: Here I Am. It's the new audiobook. It just came out. It's written by Ron Griffin. And those are three pretty special words to him, and we're going to find out all about this. Ron is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
2: Uh, Thank you, sir.
0: It's my pleasure. Ron, can you tell me what you wrote about in Here I Am?
2: This book is experiences in my life. I've been a minister for 48 years, and I've walked every street just about in the United States preaching the gospel and telling people about the love of Christ Jesus and leading people to the Lord. I pastored two churches, and I've evangelized all over the United States in three different countries. I'm a regional manager for an oil company, 38 years. I've never had to ask anybody for a dime, never had to take up an offering or ask people to beg anybody for money in a church. I've always done what God told me to do, and he spoke to me five years ago to prepare to write this book. And I sat out in my front yard one day, and two gentlemen came by. They were salesmen. They came by, and, and I was fellowshipping with them and talking to them about the Lord and told them about my experiences in life. And they told me, "Ron." This needs to be put into a book. You need to write a book. Mm. And just so happens there was two of them there, and there was two of them. And the Bible says that where two or more witnesses reveal things to you that God wants you to do, then it's time to step and do it. So one day after those two men left my house, I stood out in my front yard in my chair. I sat out there a lot in the front yard and played my guitar. During the pandemic, I sat out there and played my guitar. And I wrote 87 pages nonstop, and I'd never done anything like that in my life. Wow. Never. And I just shared with the lady a while ago, I said, honey, let me tell you something. When I finished this book, I couldn't even write a check. <laughs> I couldn't write my name. I couldn't even write for several weeks. It was the power of God that came down on me to write this book. Now, this book is not for everybody. I know it's not. But God has a remnant, an elect seed out here in this world that's not going to bow down to Satan and what Satan's doing to this world. And that remnant is getting smaller every day because the Bible says scarcely few are going to be saved in the last day. So you might as well get ready. God reveals to me every day, every day what's going to happen. And I'm not a prophet now. I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't even call myself a prophet. But I'll tell you what I am. I'm Ezekiel 5. He's called a watchman. I'm the warning people of the impending judgments and the fiery indignations that's coming on this world. And they're here now. And there's no turning back. If people don't fall on their knees today, it's all over for them.
0: Ron, when it comes to writing books and being published, is this your first time?
2: Never, never. I can't even, I could, I could, I could barely write a check.
8: <laughs>
2: I could never, no, I never wrote nothing. Well, I wrote a song one time, a couple of Christian songs when I was singing in church. But no, no. when God spoke me to do something, when he, when he tells me to do something, I do it. I obey it. And that's the problem with this world. See, and, and even in my book, if you read it, you'll see in Amos chapter 8, the Lord took me to Amos chapter 8 before I started that book. Just shortly before, and he showed me, he said, there's going to be a famine in the land, and it won't be of food and water. It'll be of hearing the words of the Lord. And all these things are going to happen, wars and rumors of war, devastation, of all things are going to happen, but that's not yet right. It's not the end. He said, before this generation passes away, I will return. And see, the generation of the fig tree, the budding of the fig tree was the generation of Israel. When Israel become a nation, it used to be Palestine. And it became a nation in 1948. And when I finished that book, the Lord said, we've got three and a half years left. That's how close we are, my friend. That was a year and a half ago. Take a look and see if everything I haven't said in that book had not come to pass. Oh,
0: Ron, whenever you finally got the first copy and the first physical copy in of Here I Am, you actually got to hold your book for the first time. What was that like for you?
2: Well, first thing I did was cried because I accomplished something in my life that I never, ever, ever even thought I could ever do. But I know what my father said if I obey him. He told me he'd open the windows of heaven to me and pour out blessings on me like I've never seen. And son, I don't need no money. God has blessed me so that I, I, I got more money than I have spend in 10 lifetimes. But money don't mean nothing. Idolatry don't mean nothing. Nothing in This world means nothing. And it's not going to mean nothing to you. The only thing that's important in this world is what we do for the father and obeying him. And that's what I did. I wrote that book, Obeying Him.
0: I think this is an audiobook a lot of people are going to be inspired by, and I encourage everyone to check it out. Again, it's titled Here I Am. It's written by Ron Griffin, and is published by the Audiobook Network. So you can pick it up everywhere that you get your audiobooks, like on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, everywhere. Ron, thanks for coming on the show, and tell me all about this book. I had a nice time hearing about it.
2: Thank you. God bless you, sir, and you be very safe, sir.